Hola, and welcome back to Novelty. Now, I really like this book. It's called The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo, I believe. That's how you pronounce it. And it's about languages and silence. Sort of, a bit. A tiny bit, I'll be honest. But, yeah, this episode is actually a re-record. I think it was one of the very first episodes that I recorded that audibly was horrific. So I want to try and recreate it and make it seem a lot more fluid because i really really love this book and in this book it gave me the very lovely opportunity to practice my spanish a bit again because i had to reread it kind of sort of you'll realize during the summary that maybe i didn't reread it as detailed as i should have but um yeah so i'm gonna try and practice my spanish a tiny bit when i read a little snippet of the book and please don't cuss me out because it's been a while i'm a bit rusty but i want to try and practice and improve my skills again as a language learner but yeah let's just get straight into it let's summarize let's see how this goes all right so we have ziormara and she is a Dominican woman who, who her parents, you know, um, emigrated from the Dominican Republic to the US. She's in the US. She has a twin called Xavier. She is a wonderful, fantastic poet. And her, her bro are just living life and they're pretty devout Christians. And they go to church, they go to Sunday school. And Ziomara is struggling a lot in her Sunday school class, I believe so much so that she skips her class to go to her poet classes and to even uh, you know entertain a young gentleman called i forgot his name now him and the young gentleman her and the young gentleman sorry are getting closer together and it's all cute and nice and then suddenly her mum finds out her mum is extremely devout christian but also extremely stifling for um Ziomara because she does not let Ziomara express herself to be the one woman that she is but also she feels stifled by her religion as well because she doesn't understand a lot of it also she's trying to she has a lot of dissonance with it because of how it makes her feel but ultimately her words make her feel free and it goes to a big climax where Ziomara's mother realizes that she's canoodling with a boy ends up burning her book there's a big blow up and Ziomara ends up realizing that she loves poetry she likes this guy but ultimately she needs to understand herself she goes back home and she reconciles with her mom and it's all dramatic and um yeah she's a wonderful poet the poet x <laughs> yeah so that's not the most accurate description it gives you the bare bones but i know for a fact i'm missing a bunch of shit um, Ziomara's brother Xavier also had his own storyline which was also really good to read as well um, in which he I believe he's gay and he's hiding his relationship from his mum as well and that's also a side plot that's also important to read as well um, yeah Ziomara is a wonderfully written character it's read it's, it's very oh, I love see when I read this I didn't appreciate the writing style I believe it's in, it's in prose. It isn't, yeah, I be, is it in prose? It's in prose. I believe it is written in, oh no. So let me repeat. The novel is not written in prose. It's written in verse, which is fantastic. Like, I think I might also um, invest in listening, in listening to the audiobook because I know for a fact it's going to sound amazing because spoken word I didn't appreciate until reading this book. I could even envisage the intonation, the pauses, the, the drama to how 
these words could be spoken. And I think I definitely lacked that by just reading it simply. But moving on from that, I want to speak about language. Okay, so Spanish was beautifully integrated in this book in a way that I really enjoy. And there was a particular point in time when I saw this TikTok, which had me thinking about books with POC characters where the uh, the author decides to do two different things the person said in the TikTok. And one of those things is that where there's um, insertion or something that's culturally different to perhaps a white reader in the in the West, the author might choose to explain that thing and explain it in detail as a sort of way of educating the reader. And the second way is that it's integrated and normalised so the reader has to either educate themselves via Google or it perhaps is a book that is um, portrayed or displayed or presented for the reader who already is in kinship with the character, for example. And weirdly enough, what I liked about this book and reading it is that there seems to be some weird combination of both, where Ziomara was explaining different compositions of her own culture to the reader, I guess, but also to herself, and different parts are integral to her that she doesn't need to explain. And so I think in a sort of literary analysis sort of way, I can understand how that for her that manifests in different areas of her life, not only with her culture, but also with her conflict with her relationship with religion and also her mother. So in that way, I find it even particularly interesting. And what I really wanted to focus on is how she integrates a little bit of like Dominican slang and Spanish into the book. And for me, it made me think about my relationship with my culture and language as well. So I think something that a lot of people might relate to if they're on the same sort of level as me is that they grew up with immigrant parents who are completely fluent, who obviously emigrated from their country to whatever other country. And those parents did not teach you their language or your language, really, as well. And because of that, you grew up not knowing that language. You didn't notice this. You didn't notice it was abnormal at first. And then you talk to more of your friends who are from that country as well. And you realise, oh, I'm one of the few that doesn't know the language. And so it becomes this kind of conflict because you are somewhat, I want to say, ridiculed or maybe you are in fact and if that is the case then that's very 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 stressful indeed but you are sort of made fun of if you just don't know the language even though it wasn't necessarily your fault especially if you are below 18 where you in a way don't have much control over that even though you could try and put strides into learning the language ultimately your parents would do you a disservice by not hating aiding you and just assuming that perhaps listening to it a few times you would like passively or receptively obtain the language especially if you didn't go back to the home country um a few times or often enough for you to integrate the language into your psyche but i thought what does that mean then because oftentimes for like people who do not know their mother tongue are dismissed and not being a true member of their culture or their national or their sister nationality I don't know how what the true term for this is but they're definitely dismissed in a way that sometimes I find a, I find a bit rude okay I mean obviously I'll find it rude if I'm part of that society but also like kind of disappointing that 
just because they didn't, they were never taught it, they are somehow in a lower status than other people who do know the language. And I thought about that and where they're coming from because I didn't want to completely dismiss it. And I understand it because language is so important. Idioms in themselves and just how unique they are make me think that it is truly a large part of that culture. It's the jokes, it's the laughter, it's the it's the cultural, I don't know, I know, comedic exuberance and also it's despair, like emotions displayed through language, the mother language are deeply important. And it made me think about my own relationship with language because even though I'm Yoruba Nigerian, I don't know the language very well at all, I still think I'm definitely I'm part of that culture. I understand most jokes, I believe. I like the music, Burn a Boy. <laughs> and I, I am black. I'm fully Nigerian. And I feel like I have a claim to my culture. And um, I don't know, it made me think about the idea of claim then. So, because I know the food, I know the jokes, I know the fashion sense. I have a toehold to the culture. Because what I found is that because me, I like to learn a myriad languages, such as Spanish, Italian, and at some point, of course, I'll get to Yoruba and also want to learn Egyptian Arabic as well. Why am I doing it? And it's because I want to have a toehold in the culture. Because me, I haven't had a lot of um, culture experiences out of the out of London, sorry. And even though London is definitely a diverse, multicultural space, going into a different country... I really want to be able to immerse myself in the area by knowing the language, by having a toehold. So knowing the language gives me a sort of claim, a sort of like um, a finger link to be like, I am part of the human race and not just like um, the Nigerian um, or Black British or Yoruba like ethnicity. But I'm just trying to make sure that I feel connected, yet yeah, connected to everyone. And so my relationship with language, that is very important. But like... When it comes to the question as to why am I so good at Spanish, mediocre at Italian, hoping to learn Arabic and not learning Yoruba first, it's because I feel like I already have a toehold or claim to that part of myself. And once I get an identity crisis, perhaps I'll revert back to it and try and learn Yoruba and go back to my roots in a way that I, um, that can be therapeutic for me and rejuvenate me. But ultimately for now, I want to learn Spanish because... It's the second most spoken language in the world. Of course, I can learn it. And suddenly I can connect to so many people around the world who are in in the Spanish-speaking countries. Or with Arabic. I think that's mainly just a challenge for myself. I can't lie. I don't really know why that came to mind. Or Italian, because it's very close to Spanish. I can just learn more and gain more ground, that makes sense. Because I want to be connected to people. Because I think that's what it means, isn't it? Like, learning the language, I think... The reason why there's so much disrespect coming from people who do know the language is that, honestly, they don't feel as much of a connect to you if they have to speak in English in sort of the colonizer's tongue because it's frustrating sometimes. Like, really? You don't know it? And you have to be like, yeah, like, oh, disappointing, isn't it? And, yeah, it is disappointing, but sometimes it feels bad to be shown disappointment even though it wasn't necessarily your own fault that you don't know the language. And it creates a conflict in people's brains, such as mine. They have to deal through, and it's a bit, it's a bit sad sometimes. And I think it sort of manifests in the book in many ways for Zio Mara. 
especially with her mum, trying to fight against or with or grapple with her mum's belief and her own just fort- her own fortitude and her own beliefs and her own personality. So here is another excerpt of the book. And it's in Spanish. So listen to me speak in Spanish, isn't it? Yeah, let's see if my <laughs> my skills are still okay. Mi boca no puede escribir una bandera blanca. Nunca cerrar un verso de la Biblia. Mi boca no puede formarse el lamento que tú dices tú y Dios me seren. Tú dices que todo esto es mi culpa de mi boca porque tenía hambre, porque era callada. Pero, ¿y la boca tuya? Como tus labios con, son grapos que me perforan rápido y fuerte. Y las palabras que nunca dije quedan mejor muertas en mi lengua porque solamente hubieron chocado contra la puerta cerrada de tu espalda. Tu silencio envuelva una casa oscura, pero aún un riesgo de quemarse. La mariposa nocturna siempre busca la luz. I feel like my intonation was poor because I don't think I understood half of what I said. I think I understood the majority of it, but I disliked my intonation there, so I apologize if it sounded definitely poor for you that. But here's a translation of that poem. And the poem is called A Poem Mommy Will Never Read. Here's the translation. My mouth cannot write you a white flag. It will never be a Bible verse. My mouth cannot be shaped into apology. You say both you and God deserve. And you want to make it seem it's all my mouth's fault because it was hungry and silent. But what about your mouth? How your lips are staples that pierce me quick and hard. And the words I never say are left on my tongue since they will never have slammed against the closed door of your back. Your silence furnishes a dark house, but even at the risk of burning, the moth always seeks the light. And I think something that this poem signifies, I think a lot of teenagers that are um, the children of parents who are more strict or perhaps are immigrants, where you feel silence, even more than silence, you feel almost manipulated into saying something you don't mean. And that usually manifests as an apology that you don't even care about. And and it's like, literally, it feels like the words are bitter on your tongue. They don't feel genuine. They feel like you're forced. And I think, yeah, it's just something that I loved about Zio Mara is just how much words mean to her. That you could really feel her pain when words were taken away from her. When she had to apologise, when she had to, um, I don't know, in sometimes maybe saying praise doesn't mean, or even when her words, her words were literally destroyed by the hands of her mum, and you felt this conflict, literally, that was so, so sad. And I don't know, like, I wish I had more to say about it, but silence to me can be some of the most powerful techniques in controlling other people also for yourself so in the way that it was presented in the book it was definitely used as a technique for her mom to control her and make her feel pain but also i don't know when why this example came to mind but if anyone's read it ends with us so the beginning scene where lily says to ryle when my mom this isn't the words of Lily, but when my mum told me to go to the podium and say a single good thing about my father, I went to the podium and said nothing. And I can see just the power in silence there 
that was almost admirable and you could see the sort of difference and the dichotomy between okay so this is how science can be used as a powerful technique and make you feel somewhat invigorated also how it can use this how it can be also be misconstrued and used to stifle people and i guess in my life the way it manifests is like um in university when you hear something that's a bit weird or even a hospital place where you hear the fucking slurs that come out of the patient's mouth and you have this internal conflict like do i stay silent and let these words wash over me or do i stay silent and it's a way of me holding on to my own and it's very weird how no words can be just as loud as any word any word at all and it's interesting that you can literally let silence do the talking and in the book it can be so heart-wrenching for someone to be put into silence yeah and yeah that's what I had to say about this book that language is something interesting and silence can be a very powerful tool I wish I had a bit more detail so I could analyze this book further I think I'll probably get a friend to read the book because it is an amazing book that I don't recommend enough actually but yeah I would like to read the last bit of the book of course as I usually do where Ziomara she was given a task by her favorite teacher to explain her favorite quote yeah the unfolding of your words give light it gives understanding to the simple psalm 119 130 i was raised in a home of praise and silence and although jesus preaches love i didn't always feel loved the weird thing about the bible is that almost everything in it is a metaphor so it seems to me that when the Bible describes church as a place where two or more people discuss God, they don't mean just a cathedral like churches. I don't know what, who or where God is, but if everything is a metaphor, I think he or she is a comparison to us. I think we all are like God or as God. I think when we get together and talk about ourselves, about being human, about what hurts us, we're also talking about God. So that's also church, right? I know this might seem blasphemous, but my priest told me it's okay to ask questions, even if they seem bizarre. And so, I love this quote because even though it's not about poetry, it is about poetry. It's about any of the words that bring us together and how we could form a home in them. I don't know if I'll ever be as religious as my mother, as devout as my brother and best friend. I only know that learning to believe in the power of my own words has been the most freeing experience of my life. It has brought me the most light. And isn't that what a poem is? A lantern glowing in the dark? Thank you for listening. And, you know, use your voice or keep silent. Just make sure you feel powerful, innit? <laughs>